I'm so excited about what the Lord is doing. I know that he has something so special for each one of you. And I just want to start with a great report. Not only of your generosity helping ministry, but on this Wednesday night, two young men, one named Hunter, one named Braden, talked to Pastor Chris, one of our youth pastors, and just inquired about what it means to be a Christian. He talked to them and then prayed with them. And those two young men men accepted Jesus Christ on Wednesday night. And that's just the greatest miracle there is. And the next day, Pastor Chris went to Oliver Middle School where he spends time on different days throughout the week. And on that Wednesday night, he had given both of those young men who became saved this Bible. It It is a Bible. It's New Testament. And it focuses a person on, you know, where you start in your walk with Jesus. It's what we give to everybody that accepts the Lord. Many of you that accept the Lord today, you you will get one of these. And when Pastor Chris went to the school on Thursday, this is what he found, and I'll show you a picture of it. These are the two young men. You see three Bibles because that third is being read by a young lady who got saved not too long ago. And so at noon... Unannounced, Pastor Chris goes to the school and these three new converts, two that had been saved just the night before, are sitting at their school at lunch and they're reading the Bible. Since, yes. Since Wednesday, those two young men, and, and you see this book, it's, it's uh, not the smallest book you've ever seen in each page, small print, and they have both read it cover to cover since Wednesday. And I just want to give God praise for two young men that, whose lives are being changed. Praise the Lord. I want those young men and every one of us to live free. Here's what I've discovered, and I want to be very helpful in this message. Like those two young men, when you get saved, your sins are washed away. That separation between you and God, that gap is closed. The, the curse of the law, when you get into Old Testament and New Testament implications of the fall of man, the curse of the law is broken and you stand in the righteousness of God. But here's the question. In the practical reality of life, after salvation, you still deal with your memory, you still deal with your history and your humanity. Yes, the blood of Jesus washes away your sin, but it doesn't doesn't wash away your memory. It doesn't wash away your history, nor does it wash away your humanity. For those two young men and for all of us, whether we consider ourselves new Christians or we've been walking with the Lord for a while, how do we live free when we, like uh, a big filing cabinet, is brought out like every day and each of those files contain... Memories, they contain history, and then we run headfirst into our humanity. And so we, if somebody tells us, you know, our sins are forgiven, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and uh, we have an eternal home with the Lord, and we have now His presence, but how do I, how do I deal with the dirt? That's my question. If I'm going to live free, I have to learn this. I have to learn how to deal with the dirt that is a result of those those times when the enemy of my soul taps into a memory, to my history, and then with my humanity, with a contaminated world, and it, 
it creates within me a very real temptation and I don't succeed in that temptation and I sin. And when I sin, I listen to the devil say to me that I'm bad and God is mad and when I believe that God is mad at me, I don't run to him with my dirt. I suppress it and run away from him and yet I'm trying to live free. How do we live free? Because we know how memory can be haunting. History can be haunting if it's not if we don't learn how to reckon with it through the resources that the Lord has given us. Humanity, coupled with those challenges, and, and you just realize that we're all dropped right here in this contaminated world, and we just at times have sin, it just bubbles up within us and we dwell on sin and we end up falling short of the mark. We feed on it and we get slimed. We feel so dirty. There is this internal struggle. And then Satan just says, look at you. Look how bad you are and and makes us think that God is so mad. And instead of running to the Lord with our dirt, we run away from God and those things take a root in our lives and we live so far beneath the blessing of freedom that we could know. That's why even today, sitting in this room from one side to the other, front to the back with all of these people, many of you have been saved a long time and you still have some patterns in your life that defeat you. They create misery in your life. A lot of chaos in your life. And you're saved. You've been saved for a long time. But when you run up against the enemy's attack that draws on a bad memory, a bad part of your history, and attacks your humanity in a contaminated culture, you fall short again and again, and and you feel so bad, and you feel so dirty, and you're still dealing with it. Still dealing with it. It's like the person who came up at the end of the 9 o'clock service and said, please pray. My two sons are addicted to Lortab. Please pray. Prescription drugs have become a a major challenge for some people. Could be well-meaning, but it gets out of control for so many people. I want you to listen carefully today because I want to talk about this dirt. I got to know how to deal with it. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, you know what it says? It says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. I'm going to focus on what it means to confess and what it means to be cleansed. When you deal with the dirt, because anybody who gets saved comes to the Lord dirty, wounded, And after salvation, sins are forgiven, yet they have to know how to deal with the dirt going forward and deal with the wound. So I'm going to spend today on how to deal with the dirt, next week on how to deal with the wound, and then the next Sunday, our humanity. You got to think about this when it comes to confessing your sin. You got to see that God is not mad at you. He loves you. And he is the only one who can make you clean. You can't can't cleanse yourself. Only God can make you clean. And so he's not mad at you. So don't suppress your sin and run from God. Run to God and admit it. Confess it. 
Admit it and submit it to God. You know that natural gold in its natural state has a lot of impurities, so they will take gold and they will boil it down. Why? So that the impurities rise to the surface. Why? So that they can remove the impurities so that you're left with pure gold. When you're willing to run to God with your dirt, dirt that he already knows is there, impurities that he knows is there, and we allow his presence to work through our honest confession, we're allowing the Lord, who's the shaper of our lives, to remove impurities, to deliver us more into the people that he saved and created us to be. I want you to consider today the power of Proverbs 28 that says, if you cover up your sin, you will not succeed. But if you bring it to the light, you will obtain mercy. It's saying, Lord, look what's in my mind right now. This is not right, and Lord, I need your help. I don't want to fall any further into this thought process and the sin that it can produce. Lord, would you help me? I'm confessing. James was one of the writers of the New Testament, and he wrote to the church. Now, not an institutional church, but to people who were trying to live as Christian people. And he gave them what's called admonitions. It's like, it's the way that they could function successfully. And the first admonition he gave was to leaders to pray. The second admonition was not to build certain ministries uh, like you see in a church, which are all good. The second thing he gave as an admonition for success is confess your sins. Confess your sins. The word confess in James and in John It means to come into agreement. It's not bringing something to God that God doesn't know. It's you agreeing with what God already knows to be true about you. See, we we struggle at times getting honest with ourselves. God knows the truth. But we have to come to a point where we'll own the truth. It's why when you say to somebody that you know is in, in a deep, deep problem and they've lost control, you say, do you consider yourself addicted? They say, no. Because they have not come to that place where they are willing to agree with what you already know about them. Confession is, I'm not going to, to sidestep it. I'm not going to do it in part. I am going to say, here's what I know to be true about me. I'm coming into agreement with the reality of my condition. And at that moment, you're going to trigger a cleansing Agent, it's called the power of God's grace to make you new again so that you deal with the dirt. Confession. One of these great instructions. Let me give you a great prayer from Psalms. Here it is, Psalm 139, sorry, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. If you fly on a plane, you go through security and you will stand and the x-ray will check you from head to toe, making sure you're not trying to carry something on that journey that could sabotage the journey. This prayer in Psalm 139, this word confession of 1 John and the book of James is saying, Lord, I want to get real with you so that you can help me because I don't want to take something into my future that could sabotage the journey. Confess. Walk in truth. And when you do this, 
what was once a very dark wave that rolled into your thoughts, that, was, that had come to sweep you away into a horrible pattern of sin, it rolled in with such darkness that it tweaked a memory. It pulled on a file of your history of a dark time. And it, it ignited and sends, sent charge into the carnal side of your humanity. And there you are caught in a very real spiritual battle where you now have a choice to make. And if in that moment you say, Lord, I want to confess everything in me wants to ride the wave. It looks good. It is, it is appealing to my senses. I can remember when I used to do that. And I am strongly considering going with it. But I know it's not right. I know the end result. So I'm confessing to you that I need your help. And I believe that the authority that is greater than the authority of the sin and darkness will move into your life and release what you need so that you begin to walk in the authority of God rather than the authority and the control of the sin. Result, you live free. Now let's say you got swept away. Because everybody in the room has. And then you feel dirty. Defiled. And Satan says, that's right, you are. Because you're bad. And God is mad. You suppress it. You don't run to God with it. And then, living in this world, Satan plays on the things of culture against your humanity your memory, and your history. And here comes the wave of darkness again. And if that process continues to repeat itself without you coming to God, you drift, get caught in the riptide, and you no longer have control. It's now taking you where it wants to take you. And you end up in a very bad place, even drowning in your own addiction. How do you deal with the dirt? Because it's one thing to have your memory, humanity, and history, but it is true that you're living in this world that is so, so contaminated. How do you navigate it? None of us, as I can see, we're not, we're not Amish, and I'm not being critical. I'm just telling you that what Amish people have done, they've made a decision to withdraw from a technologically based civilization we haven't made that decision we live in a real world so in this real world you can just simply turn a corner or turn a page or turn the channel or go online and there can be something there that Satan uses to again appeal to one of those memories of your history and certainly your humanity. And if you dwell on it, it gives birth to sin, and then once again you feel dirty. It's like you start asking yourself questions like this. 
Is it always going to be this hard to live for God? Is Christianity going to be this difficult? And you start saying, is there anything that I can do to improve? Like, what helps this? And that's what we're talking about today because all of us encounter these realities. We've got to navigate this world. My grandfather was a farmer. And it was very obvious that he could not have harvest unless he was willing to walk in the mud and other stuff. So as a result of just doing life, at the end of the day, he had to wash up before he went in the house. I want you to think about that. The disciples, when they end up at the Last Supper, Jesus washes their feet. We talk about that oftentimes about Jesus' humility, and I've heard entire sermons about the principle of humility But I think there's a lot more going on than just a picture of humility through the life of Jesus. I think he's showing us how the real world works, how it happens when you just live in a fallen world. The disciples in their day didn't have paved streets, dusty, dirty streets. So at the end of the day, when they would come in for supper, there would be someone assigned because their feet up to their knees was very dirty. And someone would wash their feet. And then they could proceed on with the evening. And on that evening, Jesus knelt down and washed their feet. And what I think he is showing us is an amazing, amazing passage about how to be decontaminated. Because just living in this world, the residue, the dirt, the contamination has a way of just finding us So when you come to Jesus the Messiah in that passage, he's not just showing about humility, he's showing what to do with the dirt. He's saying none of us made the world dirty. That's a result of the fall of man. And now we live in this very dirty world where we're open and vulnerable to sin. And what do we do with the dirt? And here is the principle of Jesus washing feet. You come to Jesus, the Messiah, who is willing to cleanse you. You don't run away from him. You run to him with your dirt and you confess your dirt. And Jesus, who is faithful and just, will cleanse you of your dirt. And you live free. Let me show you 1 John 1, 7. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What does it mean to be cleansed? Let me, let me put something in place here, and I'll elaborate on it when I talk about humanity, because I want every parent to hear this, because I want to... I want to talk to you and, and young people in a couple of weeks. When a young person hits puberty, you know that 600 hormones, and I, want you, I want you to just think about this. There's a 600% increase in hormones over four years. It's amazing. And the sexual hormones the increase of those hormones, it's off the chart. 
And there's this increase of those hormones over four years. And it's not like an IV drip where it's like, okay, we got four years, X amount of days, and, and those hormones are released like just a little at a time. No, it comes in waves. So on one day, you have a young person doing quite well, and then the next day, they feel like the werewolf on the full moon. And when that happened to me, here's all I knew to do. I started rebuking the devil. And then I learned the devil had nothing to do with that. And listen, when that happened, I felt dirty. And I felt bad. And I felt that God was mad. And I rebuked the devil and I learned I wasn't bad. I was normal. Human. And God gave me those hormones. And if we aren't willing to talk to our young people about what's going on with them. And then they look at us like we don't ever have these issues. And that we didn't have those issues. When we want them to know we had those issues and we still do. We all deal with the dirt. We all deal with our humanity, our memory, and our history. We all live in a contaminated world. We're all figuring out how to reckon with these things by God's grace, word, and power so that we live free. If we don't pass that on, then they look at us like we've got it figured out and then they feel very dirty. And they run from God rather than to God. And waves of darkness rush over them. Temptation gets involved with their season of life. And you take a 17-year-old who may have had some abuse in their history. Now there's some very damaged memory. And now they have their humanity. And hormones are raging. And you bring Satan who's got such a contaminated world. And now you're starting to understand if a young person gets abused by someone they should be able to trust. All kind of mental conflict starts happening, all kind of identity issues enter the equation, and we end up with a world that is out of control. And these people are going to end up getting married. And look at the foundation upon which they are going to build that relationship. And so I want to just hit head on our humanity and God's grace for humanity, God's power for humanity. Because the word to you and to every young person is that we can live free. But a young person or not a young person never gets delivered from humanity. We have to deal with humanity through the resources that God gives us so that we can live free. So consider with me 
what it means to come to Jesus in an honest confession so we can be clean. If you washed your car a week ago, your car's dirty today. If you washed it yesterday, it's dirty today. If you had your last bath a week ago, it's not doing you any good today. We understand that. And we'd say to anybody who's, who, who hadn't bathed in a week, you need to go bathe. And what's good for the body is good for the soul. Your repentance of a week ago is probably not doing you any good today. Just like the car wash of a week ago, it, it didn't deal with the dirt of the future. I want you to think with me about the word repentance because it says if we confess, the blood of Jesus will cleanse. I want you to think about the blood of Jesus. And I want to teach it through actual blood in your body. You know that life is in the blood. Your body is living today because blood is flowing and nutrients are in the blood. And so life is in the blood. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The Lord came that you may have abundant life. And when we suppress sin and run from God, we're missing the power of when we confess honestly and submit it to God, we, we miss the life-giving power of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we live in depression. We live in defeat. We live in confusion. We live in all kind of moral chaos because we're suppressing sin, running from, instead of coming, confessing sin, running to God because nutrient strength is in the blood. The power of the blood of Jesus. I want you to think about this. In one pin-sized drop of blood, there are seven to 10,000 warrior cells that take captive invader germs so that they don't multiply in your body, uh, take control of you, and kill you. It's amazing. My first trip to Uganda, when I was flying home, I sat in the plane. I was on the side where there are two seats. In the middle, there are five, and then two. I was on a window seat, and the guy sitting right beside me, I knew that he was very, very sick. I, I never met him. I can just tell you, I knew he was sick. And he then says to me, I'm really sorry uh, that you're having to sit here. He goes, I have malaria. And uh, I returned. I, I was on that plane a long time. And when I got home, I never got sick, never had a struggle. Because germs, when they try to enter your body, your blood has these warrior cells that say, wait a minute. And they go chase those things down, those germ invaders, and they take them over and say, you're not going to multiply, control, or kill. That's the power of the blood. Now, the next time I come home, second trip to Uganda, I come home, I have no awareness that anyone is sick. And by the time I hit the Detroit airport, my fever shoots to 102, and I feel horrible for about three days. But then I, I'm fine again. So... There was some kind of toxin. There was some 
kind of virus that that made but my blood it went to work and chased down those toxic cells and overtook them and and rejected their ability to do any further damage or to kill me now i want you to transfer that over into what i'm talking about today just practically speaking if i touch this pulpit and when i move my hand whatever's on my hand it can live right there for the next 36 hours. So you come along and touch it. So you just see, we're living in a world that's just full of about everything. And, and sickness, that's how it transfers along the way. You, you get in an airplane for 30 hours like we were on one of those trips, and you've got 300 people, and it, there's all kind of sickness and disease on those things. And so, in, so you, there's got to be something that is working and it's, it's your blood. It's amazing how the Lord has made you. So now, here's what I'm saying to you. The reason that I didn't get sick and die is because there's protection in the blood. There's life in the blood. There's protection in the blood. When you come to Jesus, spiritually speaking, and you confess your sin, the life, the power, the strength is there, and the protection is there. See, we tell people, we need to plead the blood. Well, can anybody tell me what that means? What does that mean to a teenager, 13 years old, who has the urge to merge? You say, just plead the blood. What does that mean? A 15-year-old who's navigating this life, and, and there's like porn on every channel now. Not, not like real like soft porn if there is such a thing just billboards just living in this world you don't have to put me in front of a tv i got a mind and satan can put all those thoughts what's a young person to do and you say plead the blood over your mind what does that mean that means that there's life which means there's power there's power that you need when you come to jesus there's protection that you're going to need when you come to Jesus. There's something that releases like those warrior cells that say to the enemy and his ability to touch memory, history, and humanity to say, wait a minute, I'm not going to allow this to multiply, control, and kill. This son and daughter is going to live free. It's the power. That's what we mean by the power of the blood. One last application you know and you sit in a certain position there are times you feel the tingling in your foot and you go you know what my my foot is falling asleep and the reason is because the blood vessels have gotten crimped and the volume of blood is no longer there in that part of your body and toxin is releasing and it's going to do damage and so to keep the damage from happening pain signals to your brain to say to yourself self shift your position and when you shift your position and uncrimp those blood vessels the blood flows again and things are put right transfer that when that wave of darkness comes in hitting all of those different realities likes to pull on a horrible memory maybe you hear a song and it takes you back maybe you see somebody and it takes you back maybe there's there it's just the enemy's attack on your mind and you're, you're dealing with a very real attack of temptation and trial. You start giving your thought process saying, you know, you dwell on it. 
And conviction begins to send the message. And it says, shift your position. Shift your position. It means change your focus. Move away from that which is feeding the flesh and lighting a fire that you're not going to be able to put out. It's shift, shift your position. And when you honor that conviction, just like when you shift your position physically and blood flows again and things are put right again, when you honor that conviction and shift from that which is feeding that fleshly fire in you, when you shift that position, the power of the blood is to put things right again where you find the way of escape and you live free. You live free. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. So if we confess, admit it and submit it, He is faithful by the power of His blood, the blood that has life, that protects and makes things right, cleanses us cleanses us. I'm clean. This lady came up to me the other day and said, you know, I will never forget that sermon you preached about clean sheets. If you weren't here, I talked about, I love clean sheets. Man, when you slide down those clean sheets, there's nothing. Isn't that awesome? Just say yes, I know what you're talking about. Clean. Some of you just so want to spiritually be clean. You feel dirty. And it makes me so angry at the devil when I watch what he does to every generation. And the enemy has been so crafty to try and create church culture throughout this nation where we aren't willing to talk about the dirt and we aren't willing to confront the dirt. We're even scared of the dirt. And you keep your dirt private and I keep my dirt private and we just keep suppressing it. And here we are with all of this bondage in the body of Christ. And if we could just get honest, if we would just confess how liberating how wonderful, how incredible. And then you'd have teenagers looking around going, you mean you have struggles? You mean you fight sin? You, you deal with humanity? You deal with some things of your memory that the enemy uses against you? Yeah. Me too! Me too! I just didn't know I was safe to say it. I felt different than everyone else I felt very bad and that God was mad and you find support you find accountability you find a safe place so you get wisdom you get help and you live free there are just people here today and you need to confess you need to shift your position. It could be a relationship. It could be a habit with something, a pattern. You got to shift your position. You feel what it's doing to you.
That is the Lord's way of getting your attention, sending you a message saying, come on, come on. Don't let this take you any further. Don't let it take you to the destination of which it desires. There's a way that seems right. Oh, it seems right. But the end thereof is destruction. And so he, he sends these, these messages. He, he grabs your attention. So that you'll run to him because he loves you. He loves you. And he will cleanse you. Yes, he will. And he will help you. He will empower you. He will enable you. He will cause you to succeed. And there's not a person sitting next to you, in front of you, or behind you who hasn't also dealt with humanity, carnality, temptation, struggle, and sin. We're just a bunch of sinners saved by grace. And when we said, Lord, save me, we were set free from the curse of the law and our sins were forgiven. But then we were set on a new path and he's helping us to reckon with the reality of humanity, the reality of a contaminated world. So we're learning how to just bring our dirt to him. And it doesn't give me a license to sin. No love like this sets me free. I don't want a license to sin. I know that's what's killing me. I'm looking for liberty. I'm looking for the power that can set me free. I've tried this, that, and the other. And I, and I continue in the vicious cycle. I need and desire freedom. I'm taking medicine and it's way out of control. I'm using illegal drugs. It's out of control. I'm drinking myself into oblivion. I am so depressed that I'm having suicidal thoughts. I've got lust raging in me and I'm in an absolute trap of lust. And I wonder, can I tell anybody? And the answer is yes. You can tell Jesus. Because he loves you.